Hey, this is Tim Strange from Strange Motion Rod and Custom, and you're listening to the HRBB Podcast. Recording from our headquarters in Old Town Orange, welcome to the Hot Rod by Boy Podcast. Welcome back to episode number 40 of our humble little Hot Rods by Boyd podcast. I'm here at headquarters with Chris. How are we doing today, my friend? Really good. Nice. Really good. Yeah, well, we got an exciting guest today uh, <laughs> calling in from uh, Tennessee. Yep. Uh, Mr. Tim Strange. Welcome to the show, buddy. How you doing? Good, good, good. Good to hear from you. Yeah, no, it's uh, glad to have you on, Tim. Yeah, big, big fan. I listen to the podcast a lot. Here in the shop, since I work by myself, I get lonely sometimes, and uh, <laughs> I really love uh, the interviews with uh, the original dude from back in the glory days. Yeah, Boyd, no, it's so really it's, it. it's cool, but we love having guys like you on because you got you're in, uh, influential in the industry, and you got a lot going on, which we're going to get into here in a little bit. So, right on, man. So, what's what's happening at the shop today? Well, I was uh, stealing a car and trying to get the firewall painted, and then I realized about uh, five minutes before you guys called and pushed this back a little bit that I actually had the wrong color. So, a good thing I was just spraying the firewall. So, yeah, it was a fun day. So, we interrupted you (laughs) in a good way, right? Yeah, I'm I'm done because I I got the wrong color. Oh, man. What kind of car is it? Uh, It's actually a car I'm not allowed to talk about. Okay. Right. Okay, then let's move on. <laughs> Must be a good one. Yeah, right on, man. So yeah. you're how long have you been out? 50s General Motors car with an LS in it. Oh, right on. That's cool. So how long yeah. have you been out in uh, Tennessee now? Uh, nine years now. Wow, because you were, where were you at, Texas before that? Illinois, middle Illinois. of farm country, USA. My uh, shop was 18 miles from a town big enough to even have a stoplight. Oh, really? Yep. So what prompted you to move to Tennessee? Um, well, we always wanted to move out. Me and the wife don't like the snow, and we kind of had a list of a few few places that we wanted to move to, and Tennessee was always towards the top of the list around Nashville because we always come down for a BMX national, loved it down here, and the snow don't last. And then I got an offer to be uh, on a TV show called Search and Restore and be the host and lead builder of that on the back in the day on the power block that they're called power nation shows yeah, now on beyond spike um so it was kind of a sign to move to tennessee um never really tried to be on tv but if that tv show would have been in california or detroit or something i probably wouldn't have took it but since we like nashville so much it was like you know we'll get out of the get out of the snow and move down here where the weather's a little nicer and we're, we're, we love it down here i really like tennessee nashville's a great town too Trying yeah. to figure out now yeah. that they moved. I forget the weekend they moved the Good Guy Show right into June. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. They get now yeah, that they, they kind of that the stadium doesn't really care for the car show there. Yeah, um, you know, because it's a football stadium, they get the first rights of anything for. I don't know. I'm not a sports guy, but you know, it's a good parking lot for a car show. Yeah, and uh, um, so this date, I guess they moved it to. They get that date guaranteed for like the next seven years. Oh wow. Yeah, because yeah. I've been to that show a few times. It's a good, I mean, as as a car enthusiast, and if you want to go for as a spec, be a spectator, that's a great show to go to, you know. Yeah, and it, there's a walk bridge to go from where the car show is to go over downtown where all the tourist stuff is, and yeah, there's a there's a good good quality of cars that show up there. Yeah, I definitely am because I'm 
I'm going to pull up here as we're talking the uh, the weekend it's on, but I know they moved. Because they used to have it like the May, May 15th, right? Or the first weekend of May, second weekend of May. So Yeah, and then it went to like the third or fourth weekend. Then last year it was the first weekend, the same as an NSRA show. Uh, now this year the only bad thing is it kind of jibes with the Hot Rod Power Tour. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been on power. I haven't been on power tour in like ten years. Yeah, I, I did it last year. I drove the whole thing. We built a panel truck for Royal Purple Oil, and I drove the whole thing on there. My wife actually works for the company that gets hired uh, to run the power tours. She's the head registration lady for the power tour and a bunch of other events around the country. Okay. Yeah, that's cool because yeah. they do. Is that they do uh, LS Fest too? Yeah, is that right? My wife works for. Yeah, marketing company that runs LS Fest. Um, they run some roadkill drag races. They run four automotive trailer programs and then a motorcycle trailer program. So they have you know staff and truck drivers and booth workers and all that. So. Yeah, that's cool. The, uh, yeah. It's been a couple of years. I went to LS Fest, I think, two years ago, maybe. When, when was the first one? Three years ago? I think. Um, it's been 10 here in Bowling Green. And it's but, been I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, the one in Vegas I went to. Sorry. Yeah, two or three. I haven't been to the one in Vegas. The one in Bowling Green is, I mean, it's it's big in Vegas too, Carrie said, but uh, the one in Bowling Green is absolutely insane. Yeah, the, there's there's just so many shows going on. I just don't have enough. I got, I got to clone myself about four times to make all the ones I really want to go to. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chris, Chris, sales guy, you can send that guy out, yeah? Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because uh, oh, it looks like June 12th through the, the 14th is the Good Guys Nashville show. So, yeah, I'd love to kind of make it out there because there's a lot of you guys out there. The infrastructure for hot rodding is pretty big in in Tennessee. Yeah, it's big. There's a lot of big builders between Tennessee, Alabama, Kentucky. And, you know, we got good upholstery shops out here. And, you know, within a circle for me of eight hour drive, you can get to and you can get to a, a dozen awesome street rod shows, rod runs, good guys events and everything all summer long. No, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, California, you know, I'm going to uh, LST. Are you going to go out to LST at all? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm, I had an, I had a little change of events here, and I'm able to go now. So I'm going to, I guess it's three weeks yeah, from when now. Is, when is that? It's uh, the 21st, oh, yeah, my... 2nd, and 3rd of this month. I got a customer we built a C10 truck for a few years ago and took to SEMA. He used He's uh, registered to go to that event, but he's one of those guys that shipped his truck over to Saudi, oh. and it's not back. His truck's not back yet. So. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, That's you know crazy. what? We haven't followed up with a few people. We we need to follow up with a few well, people. How, how long ago was that? Now? That was, that like was in November. November. Yeah. That was like two weeks after SEMA. Right. And yeah, there's some scary stories from that deal, but you know, some success stories, I guess. Ugh. Was that the um, yeah. the blue? Is that the light blue uh, C10? Yeah, the one they called Domino. Yeah, you had it out at Columbus two or three years ago, right? Yeah, we debuted it at SEMA in the Flowmaster booth, and it got the Sony Gran Turismo Video Game Award for Best Truck at SEMA. That oh, year. nice. That was a cool yeah. truck. Yeah. I saw yeah. It, yeah, you had because it was at Columbus probably two probably two years ago, right? Yeah. Nah, maybe three. Three. Yeah. Columbus runs together for me, though, because it's like, you know. Yeah, all the events that I do in the summertime, I announce Good Guys Autocross, too. I, I don't even know what dates they are. I just count weekends that I know one weekend I need to be here. The next weekend i got to be someplace else. And 
yeah, it gets a little crazy. Yeah, let's talk about that. So, is that something? Have you done that in the past, or is that something that's new for you? Well, that that kind of turned into after doing TV for a couple years. I guess some of these people realized that I could talk about cars without being nervous in front of crowds and cameras and stuff. Yeah. So good guys just, you know, I've been going to good guys shows since I was like, since they began, man, like 13 or something like that. And uh, they they said, hey, you want to try some autocross announcing? So they sent me to one of their events that uh, wasn't a big turnout for autocross quite yet to get my feet wet. And I liked it. And uh, one year I did 12 events for them. That was a little too much. So I think I'm doing seven for them this year. So right this is my sixth summer doing uh autocross for good guys then i host an mc and help with the awards for the tri-5 nationals i've done a handful of nhra events um yeah i guess when you just talk about cars you can it's pretty easy i host a lot of events too at sema the armo banquet the hria banquet and some other parties and unveilings for buddy shops and stuff so so when did when you when did you first get involved with the tv stuff what year was um well, since we've been down here nine years. Okay, that's um, right. You said that you moved show. there for the show. I mean, that was yeah. part of the deal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and started filming like the second day that I was down here. Um, before that, a couple years ago, a couple years before that, so 10, 11 years ago, I volunteered on one of the Power Block shows for Kevin Tate's truck show. Okay. Then um, that's kind of turned into me getting the a screen test for that show and then spike liked me and that was the beginning of that how'd you like that how do you like being behind the camera or in, um, front, in front of the camera in front, in front sorry in front of the camera <laughs> my show was kind of like it was kind of a it was a yeah it'd be honest it was a spinoff of you know overhauling we get did cars for people but we did more of a story so like a couple of the shows you seen me cry like we did a car for a guy that his wife was pregnant with a baby. She got cancer. She passed away. They oh, saved geez. the kids. And, you know, we worked with major corporations, started a college fund for the kids, sent them to Disney World. And, That's you know, just, it was just kind of, it was really cool to give back. And I worked with, you know, I picked everybody that came in. We had to build them in four weeks. Just only deadline was because of, you know, TV production. It wasn't like anything else that yeah the fake drama deadlines it's all tv in, induced oh for sure and uh so we got a different crew of people each week and broke up the builds into you know tear down and metal work and body work and paint and upholstery and finish and you know me luckily being in this industry for so long i got a bunch of buddies all over the country and they just came in and volunteered on the show and that that part of it was really cool because we were you know kind of giving back to the industry uh, my buddies, the volunteers, they didn't even get hotel or travel or f- sometimes they got food, but they got the exposure from being on the TV. Uh, some of those guys, their shops got so much exposure, they had to add work. They had to grow into a different shop. Um, four guys from volunteering on my show turned into being on other shows or getting their own TV shows. Um, so it was pretty cool. But uh, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff when you're doing automotive TV for people that aren't real car guys. Yeah. Oh, luckily, yeah. my, you know, there were some rough days. You know, luckily we got to, we got to approve all the little segments and made sure the car stuff made sense. And you know, even we we're doing a how-to section or something, if they left out a key part, and I'm like, no, man, that's that's got to be in there. 
but I also learned about enough of the corporate world of television that I've turned down 12 offers that I've actually had the contracts in front of me and probably have got 50 calls since then from different production studios. And the last one I hung up on just because they have no idea what goes on in the car world. I mean, you know, you know that you, you did automotive TV yeah. and, uh, you know, back then, uh, I actually interviewed at the try five show. I got, uh, Dwayne Meyer to come up in the, 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 the tower and interviewed him while we were in between drag racing. Oh, okay. And I always say that like back in the day, that Boyd Boyd show got so much flack for being so much drama. Well, you watch those shows now and it's, it's so tame compared to some of the crap they put on TV now. Yeah. It's, you know, the, the American hot rod's so mellow compared to some of the, you know, tool throwing fight dramas that used to be on. I, I don't really watch much TV much anymore. But, yeah, me either. Uh, yeah, they, they take it over the top just for, uh, you know, drama's sake. Well, and, and you know what? It's, uh, yeah, and it's just like you get these copycat formulas, you know? It's yeah. like they just kind of try to fit these other guys Throw a little hot the sauce same on that. formula. Like, yeah. 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 You know, but, you know, every once in a yeah. while someone breaks the mold, and I don't watch too much TV at all, you know? Um, I don't know. Yeah, we we pitch, we pitch one every once in a while. I got a good buddy that in Nashville here that he does shows and videos, and, like, he's been CMT country music director of the year so he's in that whole industry and we got a green light from one of the networks a couple of years ago right before SEMA and then but it was too different then at the last minute like a month before we started filming they said oh you got to pay the production cost because it's it's not our normal formula if it goes good season two you get back paid and all this and I'm like man eh, I ain't putting a half a million dollars out and getting a loan to try to do TV because I've been there and done that I know what it does bring you and I know what it does not bring you yeah yeah so uh yeah, it's 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 a different world. The last last time, one of these big major production companies, they left ten messages before I actually answered the phone. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we keep getting the, you know, we keep getting the the strangers. We need to do a husband and wife shop build. You know, Carrie could b- go back doing upholstery like she did for eighteen years here in the shop and all that. And then, you know, they had this big formula, and it was like, oh, you mean like this and this show exactly? And they're like, uh, well, yeah. And I was like, well, why don't you do a show like they, like the, like the hot rod world really works? You know, you build a car for a dream client, you design it with an artist, you know, like building a house and you sell it or you, you build it and you don't sell it and flip it. Some of these people, most of our customers, they're just building their one dream car and they keep it forever. Yeah. And uh, I says, why don't, why don't you do that? And I says, I won't do a flip show. I won't build a car for somebody. Then their first conversation wants to know how much it's going to worth, be worth when it gets done because they're going to sell it. And I won't build them a car because yeah. I don't really believe in the flipping stuff. Um, and uh, they're like, well, I don't think you know how to, the industry works. And I'm like, dude, I've been in this industry a lot longer than you have. I think I know how a hot rod shop works and. So needless to say, our, our relationship didn't go much further than that conversation <laughs> on the phone with those guys. Well, and, and, and the, the game's changed, especially like in the last five to ten years, because now with YouTube and you can put your own – I mean, with pod, just here we go, podcasts, right? I mean, you know, if you would have told, yeah. told somebody 10, 12 years ago, you know, oh, well, people are going to love just to listen to people talk about cars and, or whatever the subject matter is, right? I mean, right. there's hundreds yeah, of thousands yeah. of podcasts. People go, oh, you're, you're crazy. But it's like, look at now. I mean – that's how we just get information. If you're totally into something, you listen to a podcast about it, in my opinion, right? Yeah. I mean. Yeah. 
And then now with all this stuff changing, uh, a couple of the guys I worked with at the power block that Ian Johnson, that's the big four wheel drive guy. He started a digital lug corporation. That's uh, online streaming shows. Um, it ends up on Amazon. And then uh, since we're all car people, we kind of know what we want to do and set our own deadlines and build what we want to build. And uh, we're actually getting ready to start one of those uh, next month. My show is going to be called Street Rods Ain't Dead, and we're going to be building a 40 Ford. Oh, Ford. nice. So, Yeah. That'll be cool. You can kind of control it. Yeah. We sell ad packages and, you know, still got to pay for production. But then also we do uh, how-to videos now. It's Ian Johnson's company and then Kevin Tate. He's in his third season of his online show called Hands on Cars. Um, and then uh, we also do how-to videos for people. You know, it's a bad thing with some of these car magazines going away. Um, you know, a lot of those people, they come out with a new suspension part or a new gadget. They would get an ad in one of the magazines of how-to, you know, how to install whatever their new gadget is. Well, now since some of these magazines are going away that used to have that how-to content, now the people have realized that they need how-to videos because that's where people are looking, um, either put on their website or their YouTube or, or whatever. So we're offering all that, and uh, the phone's been uh, pretty busy on that side of that stuff growing a little bit. I hate to see the magazines going away, but yeah, I mean, the, the, adapt. And, yeah, but you know what? It's just the the delivery of the information is just kind of shifting, and it's it's a shame that the magazine people couldn't, you know. Be at, be at the front end of that shift, you know? They just held on to that publishing model for so long. But you know what? There's still some decent... And I still like to pick up a magazine, you know? I still like to... I mean, I look at things like what got the guys at Wheel Hub are doing. That's nice. You know, yep. Rod, Rodder's Journal. I just talked to them. Quality, quality stuff, you know? Instead of... Yep. I mean... You we know, got a car this, that's going in the next issue of Wheel Hub, so... What's that? Oh, you, what, you have what? A car going in there? Uh, 30... Yeah, we have a 32 Ford we built that's going in the next issue of Wheel Hub that I just talked to him today about the article. Nice. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, look at, look at what, 20 years ago uh, when Trucking Magazine was, what, how many, 300-something pages? But it was like yeah, 250 yeah. pages of ads, you know? And, yeah, I mean, it's cool. I mean, that that's the way we got our information back then, you know? Uh, but Yeah, and that's... I guess I the ads never bothered me because I'm a builder and always looking for the next oh no whatever part that's coming out and so yeah, yeah. the ads never really really bothered me and I don't I don't think it's really I mean some of it some of the magazines they didn't need duplicates of some of those tied you know two two Chevy magazines and stuff like that but I mean I've had people spend a lot of money just to get in a car magazine and they didn't care about awards they just wanted a car in a magazine that's all I wanted to do when I started building cars I was never like shooting for any big award it's like man i want to get a car in a magazine and now luckily i've been in like over 380 of them around the world so nice. i know that's going to be harder to do but it's everything that i always wanted to do as a little kid just being a magazine i didn't care about big trophies or nothing well and you know what the shift went from being in a magazine to uh debuting a car at sema right or having a car show up at sema so yeah yeah I mean, and that i don't know that's kind of i say it's overrated to be have a car at SEMA because I've done it 20 times now and some years we've taken two cars we did a 12 cars in a row for like OEMs you know Ford Chevy Toyota give cars to builders we've done yes. eight in a row for General Motors and it's just I mean it's cool to be there I mean I, I this last year I didn't even take a car 
and I still went, but I do a lot of announcing and hosting stuff while I'm there. And uh, this 40 Ford will build building is supposed to is planned to be there. But yeah, I, I don't know. You just never know what to do. You, you go to enough places and something works and something don't, you don't go back to that thing the next year or whatever. But yeah, now, now FEMA is just, I mean, it's, it's a monstrosity it's since crazy. I've been going 20, well, but- taking cars for 20 years. We went for 22 and just an amount of that time, just the growth of it is amazing. I, I always say that they, I wish that they would somehow weed out the people that aren't really in the industry because it's not a public car show. But then again, people getting excited about cars and maybe somebody is like, oh, then I want to have somebody build a car for me or I want to buy this other part. You know, if, if they're still spending money in the industry, that's what it's all about to keep these people selling parts, people building cars. Yeah, so it's excitement. Is good. And I'm sure you've heard this, uh, you know, coming leading up to SEMA. Hey, can you get me passes? Hey, can, and it's like, no, you're not even in the industry. And no, I can't get you a pass, you know. Um, yeah, the only only time we get passes for people anymore if it's actually the owners of the car oh, that well, taking the car. Different, different deal. But yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. let's put it this way: it SEMA kind of they're not. I don't know. I've been to many other conventions where you got to jump through a little bit more hoops to get in. So they, don't, I wouldn't say they make it easy to get in, but they don't definitely don't make it hard to get in. But SEMA would never be at the level it is now if they were really hard nose on making sure it's just industry people you know yeah and it used to be harder to get into pri the racing trade show in indianapolis but since fema bought them it's a little easier to get in but still hard i mean you used to have to show like a pay stub if you weren't in their computer to give and get a ticket that you actually worked in the industry yeah well they yeah there's it's i don't know it's one of those things where and then they you know that's the reason they kind of started sema ignite right so they could say that that's the consumer part of it on friday night but still you look at yeah and i, I i've never been to sema ignited i've when if i take a car to sema and i've been there since set up on saturday i don't want to do a car show i'm ready to go oh by friday you're ready trailer. to go yeah you're ready to I mean, yeah i don't i don't i don't go to sema ignited i'm not really a fan of battle of the builders because i think that's making the I understand that SEMA needs to make money because their money that they make helps fight Washington rules to make sure we can still keep doing what we're doing. That's the main thing of SEMA. That's what people forget about, that it's not just the big car show. It's a trade show. And, yes, it costs money and the booths cost money, but that money goes to make sure we can still do what we want to do. We hope it does. But, but yes. You know. yeah, yeah, you hope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean – um yeah, I mean, I remember it, I, I've been going to SEMA since I was like 14, and it was yeah, it was all in one hall. You could walk it like in you know an hour. Now, now I don't I don't even make it through like a quarter <laughs> of it anymore. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You got to have a, a serious like if you're going to go there to do business, you actually have to have a strategy of what you're going to knock yeah. down and who you're going to see, and you can't. I, I think I could probably be there for two weeks and not see everybody I actually need to go talk to. Yeah. And then I, I also at SEMA, like I, I do a lot of stuff there, I say hosting banquets and parties and stuff like that. But uh, for this will be my 12th year that I'm on the judging panel for best new product. Nice. Uh, we do that on Monday with, you know, the, they split it up for 
you know, street rod part engineered, you know, they even give awards for best packaging and stuff. So they have all these teams that come in and we do that all day Monday. That's so kind of cool being part of that. So it makes me look at all the new stuff that I don't have time when the show actually opens. Yeah. And you know what? That's actually, that's actually one of the parts of SEMA that I think are cool that I think kind of get maybe lost in the shuffle is the new product end of it. Cause that's really why you're there, right? You're there. I mean, you're yeah. there to see who, yep. who's got the latest and greatest and the new stuff and, you know, I mean, if you yeah, like, like we, we was all excited this year. I was, I was on a speaking panel. That's when I realized I'm getting older in the industry that there was an electric car, the future of electric cars speaking panel. Well, they picked two hot rod guys from the industry. One was 23 years old. And then I realized that I am now the older representative from the hot rod <laughs> world. Um, but I was, I was all excited because we had like a pre-prep talk, you know, a couple weeks before SEMA. So, you know, we go in there to judge these new products, and we're all excited about looking at these new electric motor kits. You know, I'm not a big fan of it, but I would build one, and I'm actually talking to a guy right now about building one. But it, they didn't even enter it in new products really? because they'd never been there, and they didn't know what to do. So there was three people with electric motor packages in their booths, but they didn't enter it in any of the judging for new products. Oh, so wow. they missed that extra advertising marketing value of you know if they're a SEMA member they get to enter one product for free so they missed that boat yeah I'm, I'm curious to see where this uh, electric car thing is going to go you know we do we do a whole line of like a Porsche wheels um, a lot of like 356 uh, early 911 like uh, wheels we make them out of aluminum right replicate some of the steel look and we just sold a set to a guy that's actually he's got a 912 He's taken the original motor out of it, uh, you know, look at it with 80 horsepower, 88 horsepower in that original motor, and they're doing, there's a company, I forget the name of it, EV, EV something. Um, they have a bolt-in kit for Porsche, uh, 911, 912. It goes from 88 horsepower to 350 horsepower. Wow. And, and I mean, you're talking, that, that car is not a heavy car at all, right? Yeah. So this this one that this guy was on the speaking panel with me, they got one that yeah, it takes a lot of batteries, so packaging is is a problem. They had a Camaro there at SEMA and uh, this guy was super cool cuz he was an old BMXer too, so I got along with him pretty good. And uh it was they had it mounted so like if your car already has an LS in it, you unplug the LS, leave the transmission there, this adapter of this electric motor bolts right to the transmission and right to the LS motor mount. Wow. Yeah. And what's okay? So, yeah. what's the what's the horsepower rating compared to an NLS on something like uh, that? I think with you could package the motors and hook them together. That one had one motor in it, and I think it was three hundred forty horsepower, three eighty torque, maybe. Okay. Um, it's just the the packaging is the problem. It was five six hundred pounds heavier than a normal Camaro. The trunk was half full of two batteries and they sunk down through the floor like where the gas tank would have been uh, underneath the pretty much no back seat because there was two batteries there and the hole under the hood you open the hood and about three inches below the fender lip was all two batteries so these batteries wow. are their own batteries with fluid in them you know and plumbing it so yeah the the packaging is is kind of a an issue on those things but that's what we said in that you know when they started putting fuel injection on cars and i don't know, 
know when they first put fuel injection, but I know you get a 57 convertible with, you know, fuel injection. But it took a while for that fuel injection technology to be industry standard to be on every car that you bought at the dealership. Yeah. But that, that technology now will be on fast forward. I mean, look how many cars already that you can get, how many manufacturers have an electric car. I'm, I'm not a fan of it. And like I said during that speaking thing that when it's the time where there's no gas cars allowed on normal roads, I hope, I hope I'm not here. I hope I'm gone. <laughs> I, hope, I hope I'm dead by that. Well, and, you know, we've um, talked about it before. What's going to happen in the future is there's going to be like these – you know, these like movie sets, if you will, right? Like you, like these big movie sets where you're going to pay to go drive around gas oh, cars, yeah. right? And you're going to, yeah, I think, be I think like a, one of your podcasts, it's totally, it's totally like where rich people keep their, their horses at a riding stable where they go on the weekends yeah. and get their horse out and they ride <laughs> around. And, <laughs> right. No, that's, yeah. for, that's it. Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, chassis it's in like 20 a years, control. that might, that might be how it is. Yeah. There's, there's tons of horse stables down here that, you know, somebody takes care of their horse during the week. Somebody will be doing maintenance on your car and making sure the batteries are charged up. And then there's an autocross course or a drag strip course on a thousand acre farm in the middle of nowhere. And that's where you can do your gas burning stuff. Yeah, except a gas, it's going to be like, you know, it's going to be like 50 bucks a gallon, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or, or we'll overlive in a time where it'll be totally like, uh, uh, what was that? Mel Gibson movie. Mad Max. Warrior. Yeah. Mad Max. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the, I mean, the, the, the battery techno, I mean, you know, I, I, I was into the RC car thing for a while when I was a kid and the batteries totally sucked. You could run your car for five minutes and it would die. And then it went to gas. But now with the battery technology on some of these RC cars, you can run the shit out of these things for 20 yeah, there's, minutes. There's a couple guys show up at good guys autocross where late models can come in new cars can come in on sunday and we always have a couple guys at different events that come in with a tesla and now they got like that what is that ludicrous mode or yeah, whatever oh, yeah. that they're just they're just rocket ships and it's so crazy you can just hear the tires squealing and you know no sound so of course you know being being an idiot on the microphone i make car sound so that's <laughs> going around <to> pretend, <laughs> that's pretend like it's a car and uh but i asked that guy because he had the one of the newer ones with the big screens on i, I go Okay, so what's your normal range? He goes, if I don't drive it like an idiot, it's like 300 miles or something like that Yeah. before you need to charge it again. And he says each lap that he would race that thing on the autocross course that was like a 45, 48-second lap. Yeah. He said each lap that he did it cut either 30 or 40 miles off of the range that it could oh, do. Oh, jeez. So it really was using a lot of juice. So at lunchtime, he'd go charge it, make sure. He had some juice in it. So. That's crazy. Yeah, but have you been in yeah. a, in a Tesla sedan? Yeah, my customer we built the the thirty two Ford for. He's got one, and his mom's got one too. Dude, they're fast. It's a weird kind of. It's yeah, a, it's a different kind of fast. It's like yeah, no noise. Yeah, and it just throws you in the back of the seat. No, they're. I, I see. Yeah, the, it's like the first time we went we went go karting and, and down here in Nashville. They you know you go to the indoor go kart tracks, and now a lot of them are electric and. First time I got on one, I was like, well, this is going to be boring. And about snap your neck, you took <laughs> off because you weren't expecting the power. Well, then you can hear everybody laughing and cussing at you when you're racing go-karts because there's no engine sound. So it's oh, pretty yeah. impressive. If you don't understand that, you go go to one of them go-kart tracks and figure out the torque. and It's, it's impressive. It really it, is. It's fun. 
Yeah, we got a K1 speed uh, track not too far from the shop, and a few times a year we try to make it over there and have a little competition. That's fun. Yeah, no, I mean, I want to put one of these systems in a 32 Ford Roadster, but the battery packaging would be a little well, bit of issue. We've been talking about that for a while, you know, about doing one with they can be a Boydster or something, but yeah, it's the the battery the battery packs. I mean, the the good news is right with battery packs, maybe not in a small car like that, but you can move it around and right mess around with the weight distribution and, and all yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh it, it it's going to it's going to it'll evolve just like everything else, right? Yeah, yeah, they'll figure out how to make a powerful battery smaller, and, you know, it's 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 just a weird technology. It's not, I'm one of them, it's not really better for the environment because they still got to make the car, they got to make the battery. They're still using electricity to charge the cars. You know, it's, it's kind of like in the paint world where some of the big, big, uh, uh, big cities and stuff where they have to use waterborne base coat. Yes. That that's kind of a bullshit rule too because you use more clear and the clear is worse than the base coat ever was. But you now you have water base coat, but you still use the chemical clear. Yeah. So it's it's just uh, another politician thing. Look over here, why we do this? And okay, yeah, but nothing really. It's just different technology, I guess. Make you buy into something else. Well, but I think you kind of need to head in that direction and work through those little things. You know, um, and you, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to see where it's going to end up. I mean, yeah, you can't, yeah I'll, you can't, I'll totally build an electric hot rod. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think a lot of people are going to be building them here in the next few years. You know, I mean, yeah, I want to do the power tour with one and then pull a diesel smoke felching generator behind me <laughs> to make sure I don't right? run out of power. Yeah, have that, have that thing just smoking and go, what's that? Oh, that's how we charge these things. You know? Yeah. We didn't say we're going clean. We're just going electric. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, let's go back. How did you get involved with cars? I mean, because I don't know. How old are you right now? I will be 49 this year. You'll be 49. Okay. So, have you been, you've been involved in cars your whole life? Yep. When I was a little kid, my dad built like show choppers, Harleys and stuff. Oh, right stretched on. out choppers. He had long hair and bandanas and stuff like that. And then uh, he kind of, me and my sister got a little bigger and we didn't all fit on the Harley anymore. So he got rid of his Harleys about when I was six or seven years old and got a 57 Chevy and built it up in the garage and tilt front end, tunnel ram, velocity stack chain steering wheel, shag carpet on the dash, you know, Craigers and fender oil headers. And, you know, it was like 1978, 79, something like that. Nice. And, and then, uh, he's always been into, into tri five. So I just kind of grew up around it. Like I said, all my relatives had either Harleys or hot rods and, or, you know, somebody, my buddy was a stock car racer or somebody did demo cars. You know, it was, it was weird for me to meet somebody that wasn't, into automotive or motorcycles it was like i thought they were the most boring people in the world if they weren't car people yeah right you if you grew up around those people like me i mean i grew up i thought everybody had a bridgeport in their uh, you know or a little lathe or something in their you know their well you, well you don't have a welder in your garage what do you do what's your dad do you know what's wrong with yeah you? of course yeah. you know i was a farm farm kid so we couldn't afford to have stuff built so that's how we learned how to 
build stuff ourselves. And I remember I held held a paint gun and painted my dad's yellow firewall on his yellow and white 55 when I was eight years old. Oh, right Ran on. the hell out of it. That car had a tilt front end, too, and he'd always he'd always tilt the front end up at shows. He's, that's where my boy learned how to paint. And everybody looked at that big run, and they're like, I don't think he learned too well. I hope he gets better. And he's like, well, he was eight, you know. So <laughs> it was kind of cool. So. No, that's cool. So, yeah, you mean, you've been in your whole, whole life then. So we'll get into it because, you know, you're big into the BMX stuff. So is that what you did as a kid as well? Yeah, BMX, hot rods, and punk rock. That's pretty much all I ever did, and that's all I pretty much still do. So. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Yeah, and you're still – are you, you – you still race? I know Kerry races, right? But, you, I mean, you're – I, I, what I call, I ride. I, I go out to the races and I race every once in a while, but we get so busy. So I don't have time to like train and go fast. I was an expert when I was a kid. Um, we started back about 2000, 2001 and started a team. Uh, my niece raced and 07, my niece made the U S team and went to Canada along with Carrie. Carrie got seventh at the world. In oh, 07. wow. Uh, my niece got fifth in her semi, which one spot from away from making her main and never raced BMX again, just stayed home and did all the school sports. Um, and we just kept racing and we, you know, we never had our own kids cause we're always too busy. So, you know, now we're kind of like the cool aunt and uncle. We can take some kids on some BMX trips, maybe buy some bike parts or frames. And it's still cheaper than paying for braces in college. If they're actually our own kids. Yeah. So, right. No, trust me. I know. But yeah, no, the BMX one, one couple of them. Go ahead. A couple of them summers, we had like thirty some riders on our team. Oh wow! And now I think it's down to like twelve or fifteen. And of course, you know, young kids and families. And the cool thing we have is the oldest female competitive BMXer. She is seventy-two years old out of Des Moines, Iowa. They, she's just known as Miss Kitty. Um, wow. She's had both knees and both hips done. She travels the country doing speaking engagements for Johnson and Johnson because of what she still rides and her, you know, replacement joints that she's got. And she's been on CNN, MSNBC. Uh, she even had her own segment on the Steve Harvey show a couple of years ago where she rode out on her bike with our team Jersey on and, you know, gave Steve Harvey hell for a whole segment. So wow. people will walk by the pros to get Miss Kitty's autograph when we're at the races. So it's pretty cool. Well, you know, I think, Cycling is one of those sports that I think you can progress, uh, pr- progress in later on in life. You know, um, you can get better as you get older, and you can stay on the bike for a long time. There's so a couple doors down from me here. There's uh, the mom of the lady that rents the, the unit here. She held the record, and uh, I'm, I'm going to screw this up. But um, for is it the hour? Not the hour. Or is it 25 kilometers? I don't know what it is. She races in the velodrome, and she's 80 years old. Oh, wow. And she held the record up until a couple of years ago. Like this, wow. lady, this lady, you see her get out of her car, and she can bear like she moves, but she's real stiff. She's she's at mm-hmm. the she's at the velodrome over here in uh, Dominguez Hills, uh, Cal State Dominguez. She's at the velodrome like four days a week, early in the morning. Wow. Yeah, and That's it's, awesome. it's crazy. Yeah, and you know, I got into mountain bike racing later in life, just in like the last three or four years, and it's amazing. It's inspiring because you, you're out there with a lot. You're out there with people that are 10, 15, 20 years older than you that can just kick your ass on a bike, and it makes you think like, okay, there's a lot more room to go here, you know? Yeah, I, 
I always you get a you know a rude awakening and how fast you think you are until you see a video of how slow you're actually going as you get older. And it's like you're you're in you're like you're in practice and it's like a bunch of people grouped into age group practice and like man look at that old guy over there man I bet he's a couple of classes older than me and then you you mean you're actually in the motos in the staging and it's like no he's two classes younger than me hell I must look older than that dude you know so it, 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 we we really enjoy it. it's our stress relief from the car world and. You know, we travel a lot. We're gone almost every week. Like last year, we were only home two weekends between Easter and into December. Oh wow! Um, with all the car events that That's we do, crazy. and you know, sometimes, sometimes me and my wife go different directions. Sometimes we're together, and so we get a, a spare weekend that we can sneak away and go ride ride the bike. That's that's what we do. So it makes you exercise a little bit. That's killer. And, uh, yeah, I I like to ride my cruiser, which is a twenty four inch. If I can make it to the local track. But when you go to nationals, the cruisers are all one proficiency, meaning there's no novice, intermediate, expert. You're racing just cruisers in your age group. Well, most of those guys my age, they either own a gym for a living or they're like ex-pros <laughs> or right. they take it way too serious. And when I was younger, I was an expert. But since I don't really ride anymore much, a lot, I ride my 20-inch at the nationals and I run intermediate, and I'm still like a moto fill at that. And, uh, but yeah, my... I'm six three two thirty, and I still ride a twenty inch bike, but it is custom built. <laughs> Standard bikes builds our builds our BMX bikes and builds me, you know, custom whatever I want. And it, you know, BMX world is it, it really ties into a lot. The USA BMX organization in the next year actually going to write a story in one of their magazines about the connections between hot rods and BMX. And there's a lot of hot rodders that grew up racing BMX from like Daryl Hollenbeck and Zane Cullen and. Chip Foose raced as he was a kid and you know drag racers Larry Dixon raced as a kid and it's just it's just something something you did and turned into that art and expression of BMX turned into a lot of creative people you know I'm I'm lucky now I actually know who you know Bob Harrow from Harrow Bikes and he knows who I am when I see him and you know as 12 year old Tim it's pretty cool when some of these BMX legends actually become I'm friends with and Rick Molinturno that runs standard bikes. You know, he was in the movie rad. He was the only real BMX pro that had a speaking part in yeah. that. Yeah. That movie was awesome. Movie. It was rad. It was yeah. Rad. And then he, you know, he traveled the world and freestyle for Hutch and Haro. And now he runs standard bike company up there back home where we're from the quad cities, uh, Illinois and Iowa. And he still does our, does our bike stuff. And when I was, when I was in high school, I raced for, uh, uh, custom bike world just a bike shop team and then i had buddies in iowa that raced for eldridge bike shop so you know we're it was about the time late 80s and bmx was kind of dying a little bit and my buddies that rode for that iowa bike shop they're like oh this some guy bought the shop and he says he's not continuing the the team next year and but you know he still sell parts well that bike shop burnt and he didn't rebuild it but he could still order parts so my bike shop closed so i bought wheels when i was 19 bought a new set of racing wheels well, that was Mike Wolf, the American picker guy. Oh, really? So, yeah, it's just a small circle. He was from the area where I grew up, and now down here in Tennessee, he has a place 20 minutes from me, and uh, he has cars and coffees right down here, too. We grew up by each other up north, and now we run into each other all the time down here in Tennessee. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you know, I've met just, I mean, I've met a lot of good people just in the bike community and the bike racing community I, I mean i'm late to it in life you know i never really i mean obviously living in america i mean the first thing you do your first freedom as a kid is getting a bike and 
you know, riding around the block. But, um, you know, most of the guys that whoop ass on me at, at, at the races, they're all, they've all done BMX as a kid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just, um, Man, I don't, I don't have that competitive drive anymore where I think I have to win everything. Is I just go out there and you know if somebody gets too close in a corner, I'll grab a handful of brake. I don't care. I've got, I've got screws and plates, and I set off you know metal detectors when I go to the airport sometimes from so many BMX races. And <laughs> yeah, I spent a week in the hospital with a tube in my chest. My wife ruined a wheel this year at the Grand. She's broke collarbones. Hell, she broke a helmet this last summer. Oh. She gets she gets pretty gnarly too. But you know what happens when you're out there, but. Everybody says, "Oh, sometimes maybe you shouldn't do it. It's a little too dangerous to be out there." And it's like you just never know what's going to happen if you drive around the block. And, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, and, and I had a buddy that his 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 wife tripped on a crack in the concrete coming out of a library. So that's why libraries are dangerous to me. That's yeah. why I don't go to a library. Stay away from the stay away from them books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you know, and 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 I've got more involved with more of the endurance races and stuff because I'm I'm just want to do compete against myself a little bit you know there's not that sh- yeah. shoulder to shoulder you know some guy taking you out kind of a deal you know so that's ah, fun and, and it's 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 healthy fun you know and it's a stress yeah. it's it's uh you know and there's like you you talk about the tie-in with hot rodding and stuff and and you know uh mike curtis was just telling me yesterday what two days ago he was over in orange gary turner has a spot not too far from us, like two miles. And he met Gary Turner. He races a, what, Nostalgia yep. Funny Car, you know? Yep. And uh, he's over in Orange. And there's a lot of people in Orange. There's a, there's a, huge, yeah. there's a huge hot yeah. rod infrastructure, drag racing infrastructure yeah. here. Just And that was back in the day when people actually built BMX bikes in America. That was that was BMX Mecca grounds, all the factories and everything. And now there's less than five companies, I, still, I think, that still make frames in the U.S. Right. You know what? Um, so I ride a light speed, right? And then I bought a Linsky hardtail. And Linsky's out by you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, so the Linsky family owned light speed. And then they sold it, I think, like 15, 20 years ago. Then they just started making titanium frames again in the last 10, 12 years. I don't know what time frame is. They're somewhere in Tennessee. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. But... I mean, you know, you can't beat American craftsmanship on some of this stuff. I mean, this is kind of where it all started, right? You know, the hot yeah. rod thing. I mean, sure, they race BMX bikes around the world, but, I mean, it seems like hot rodding and BMX bikes really kind of took off. Well, that's what it's all well, Mongoose built. BMX yeah. was car guys that started Mongoose and Redline. Well, the, the same logo on Mongoose bicycles was on Tommy Goo and the Mongoose's drag car. That oh, was the yeah. Same that was the same mongoose. And I, I and who's the okay? I, I can't think. Of, is it Square Body Syndicate? Those guys that did the mongoose, uh, Square Body. Oh yeah, Broy. Yeah, that's a cool little truck. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I don't know. I think everybody's kind of into bikes a little bit. I mean, even you know, but yeah. some of us. No, I'm thinking about. It. I used to have a mongoose when I was a kid. And yeah. I had a mini GT. Uh. Didn't have a red line. I had a couple of bikes that had red lines, but had a general. That was one of my favorite bikes. That yeah, no, bikes are cool. Killer. You know, and it's good. It's good that you got a little hobby. That's you know, that I don't know. We, we all need. We grew up in this uh, the hot rod end, and it's our lives. But it's nice to have a little 
hobby, a little break from a. It clears your head, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. nothing clears it's your head. It's weird like that we make ride. our living. We make our living in a industry that ninety percent of the people in the world, it's the hot rods are their hobby. So we need a different hobby than hot rods. That's how oh. I look at it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, dude, I yeah, I mean, this is what pays the bills, and and I love what I do, but yeah, I mean, uh, I've been in it my whole life. I've been around it my whole life. So yeah, I mean. For me, it's always either been music, or now in the last five six years, it's been biking. So, yeah, it's kind of my my getaway from it all. Yep, that's yeah, fun, man. So what's uh? So you're, I mean, well, from what you said, you were only around two weekends, two weekends uh, last from last year, from April to the end of the year. What uh, you're gonna keep the same busy schedule this year? Um. Some I'm doing seven good guys events, one or two of the tri five events. Um, it's like I say, we build a vehicle for Royal Purple Oil, and they have me take care of that. It's a '63 Chevy panel truck, um, so they haven't really decided which events that they want it at. Uh, we go next month to Vegas for a, a convention that they're shipping it out and shipping me out to do some microphone work there. Um, so the bigger the corporations are, the less organized they are. So they kind of decide at the last minute. But uh, I kind of need to be home a little bit more this year. I got a shop full of projects and uh, starting to do this 44 that filming project. The street rods ain't dead, so I kind of need to be here a little bit more. But it's also hard to pass up that you know some people don't believe they actually pay me to announce these racing <laughs> events. Otherwise, I wouldn't be going to them. So it's not not a bad gig to get paid to go to a car show and talk about cars. So. Yeah. Wh- okay. So you you uh, you know, unlike a lot of other uh, builders and people in the industry, you have your hands in a lot of different things, right? So, w- w- if you had to pick and choose one thing, what would it be? Between building a car, well, I'm, announcing, I'm, doing a TV show, building the cars is always what I've always wanted to do, and that's still what I enjoy. Um, like even. I look over on my chassis table and I've got a 65 Chevelle that I've been picking away at. That's just for me and my dad. Um, so that's my little fill in nights and a little bit of weekend project. Um, so I still, that's my main thing is I still want to build cars, but I've built some cars for some awesome people. I've built some cars for some assholes. So that's why I like doing the announcing thing. So it lets me pick and choose a little bit. Yeah. Um, as I get older and my body hurts, um, the announcing is awful good. Um, I hope I don't have to choose, but yeah, I hope these uh, how-to video stuff turn in to be pretty good with Ian Johnson's digital log company. And uh, we just keep doing film projects and how-to videos and I'll build the cars that I want to build for myself in between time. So I've got a handful of cars, a couple nomads dashed and I got a 40 Merc. I've always wanted to do one of them. I've got a weird concept car, like a Harley Earl, Bill Mitchell. What if they build a car together, like a tri five Impala concept car that I've started for myself. Oh, nice. Um, but now I'm kind of working on that Chevelle for my dad. Um, and I got, as I look around the shop, I'm sitting right in the middle of shop. There's one, two, three, four, five other customer cars in here right now. Nice. That's good. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like you know, uh, that's good, man. Well, well, you it looks like you you know, it sounds like you have your options out there for you, which is good, you know. So you can kind of maybe move to move to one area and then not you know gravitate towards one, not the other, depending on what you want to do, you know. I I think I like doing 
all of it because my wife says I probably have an extreme ADD or something or ADHD or whatever all that is. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, like when you're building a car, when I started doing, oh, man, I'm really excited about doing chassis fast. So I put it up on the chassis table. By the time I'm doing done with the chassis, I'm tired of doing chassis work and I'm ready to do the body work. Well, it's all fun and dandy. About the time you're done doing the body work and you're ready to paint, man, I'm tired of doing body work. So then you're painting and buffing. Oh, I'm excited about buffing. So it, it, it works good doing all the cars. And then I jump around and it's like, man, I'm just, I hate cars right now. And something's fighting me. Oh, I get to go announce this weekend. and still make money. So, <laughs> man. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm getting tired. TV I'm thing, getting tired here listening to your schedule, man. Maybe I'm not doing enough over here, you know, or something. Cause that's good though. It's, you know, remember my dad always told me, remember 12 hour work days, only a half a day of work. <laughs> right. Forget yep. about sleep. You don't need to get some sleep. Yeah. Yep. I go good on about four and a half hours of sleep. Oh, man. No, I need a little bit more. I need at least six and a half. Six and a yeah, half to seven. I could stand a little more beauty sleep, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, you look you look pretty beautiful when I saw you at the Grand National last week, two weekends ago. So, yeah, yeah what did you, yeah. you think about the Grand National this year? Uh, I thought it was good. It had been a few years. Uh, one of the, the 55 Chevy we built on the Search and Restore show got invited three years ago when what I call the history building had Tri-5s in it, and I hadn't been out since, and I really wanted to go out and see how they did with that first new Sloniker Award and see what was out there and kind of how they judged, judged all that. Um, like I say, I'm helping do the Starbird show where they do a fine nine and $10,000 to win there next weekend. And uh, – at that Pomona show, if you've never been, you just you just gotta go. So it's it's I mean, a good it, show. It's Southern California, to some parts of the country is you know it's snowing. You go there, and then on Saturday they get like a thousand awesome hot rods that drive in. You can just walk around outside and look at cars. And you know, I, I got a couple buddies that live out there. My buddy Zane from Katati Speed Shop in Northern California. I went out, hung out with him, helped him set his booth up, and just kind of. People look at me weird and say, what are you doing helping somebody else? They're like, well, he's my buddy, and I didn't bring a car, so you can be buddies with other builders, and it's okay. Some people kind of forget that, I think. But yeah. I really had a good time out there. And that race car building, the history building, was absolutely amazing. But, yeah, great show. They put It, it is a great show. So, I mean, anybody listening that's, that lives in other parts of the country, you have, it's a destination spot, you know? I mean, and, and not only that, but get in if you – if plan the whole week if you're going to come plan the whole week because there's open houses all throughout this area the different shops that you can go to check everybody else out no it's a good time that's the the, the grand National. Yeah, good show i always thought i'd live out there because you know race and bmx always wanted to turn pro and that's back when all the pros lived like orange y was their local track that there ain't even a track there anymore yeah it sucks uh, i I ride by that a few days a week that's part of my one of my road bike rides and it's yeah it's sad it's been three years but that's another you know then in the hot rod industry and everything well now you know some people are moving out and a couple of big chassis shops have moved out to tennessee and oh yeah i don't think you could i don't i like to visit california but i don't think you could pay me enough to live out there you know you you have to get paid a lot yeah yeah (laughs) And, and you know what? And I don't blame anybody for moving out of California. I mean, I know like Justin and Scott's Hot Rods, they moved out a couple of years ago out to your neck of the yep. woods, and he loves it out where you're at. And, it, it, yep. you know, for, for from a business standpoint, totally made sense, right? I mean, totally made sense. Yep. It got him cl- close, closer to his customer base, um, you know, and got away from all the 
the BS in California with all the, the crazy taxes. And you know, Tennessee's just way more, you know, Tennessee and Texas are way more welcoming to business than California. California is doing everything yeah. they can to force people out of this place. So, you know, but I'm a California boy and I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, well, I, I grew up, like I say, in the middle of nowhere. My graduating high school class had 32 kids in the class. And there was five towns worth of kids there. And junior high and high school was in the same building. And there was 170 kids total. Oh, wow. That's a small. Yeah. What town was that so, in? What, what was the town? Uh, I went to Alwood, which is actually in the, the school was in the town of Woodhall, right along Interstate 74, just south of Moline, Illinois, and Davenport, Iowa area, they call the Quad Cities. Okay. But there was, you know, between Peoria, Illinois, and Davenport, Iowa, there was a good car scene and you know, big, big rod runs to me. And my buddy was just talking about the other day and the difference in car shows. And, you know, used to, the big, the cool car clubs that my dad used to take me to was just rod runs. They were 48 and older stuff. That's kind of the, the basis of the show that we're doing the cars that I fell in love with when I was a kid at going to rod runs. You know, there wasn't Chevelles around. It was the Willys and the 44s and the, the Deuce Coupes and all that stuff. And I remember, you know, it's a little different than now, nowadays it's, rod runs back then were ran kind of like mini truck shows are now and it's like i remember i still remember knoxville fairgrounds that wet t-shirt contest and i was 10 years old and my dad's <laughs> buddy says it's time for the boy to go up front so they took me up front and oh, wow. uh, you know wet t-shirt contest they didn't really keep their shirts on through the whole competition and <laughs> mom wasn't with me and dad that day and i still don't know if mom knows it, but oh, yeah that was great. that was a different era of uh, you know rod runs and they were they were quite uh crazy times back then yeah no it's uh you know like i talked about earlier talk about going to lst and it's such a it's a great show because it reminds me of some of the cool shows from like the 80s and 90s out here in california that you could never get away with now right i mean it's just different groups of people and people are drinking beer they're barbecuing having a good time no problems in california yeah it ain't happening you know, I mean, if they serve beer, they want to yeah, charge grew, you 14 bucks a beer, a, you know, I grew up, you know, of course I couldn't afford the street rods. So I had a Chevelle. So all my buddies, you know, grew up in the pro street days and street machine nationals in Decoin, Illinois was, you know, they'd have 3,500 street machines on a party in this town. That's not very big with those unbelievable fairgrounds. And there was just same thing cooking out and people camping along the roads. And it was like a, a Woodstock every year for hot rod people for street machines and, burnouts and everything it got so crazy that the state of illinois banned it and kicked them out of the state oh <laughs> really oh man yeah, it was crazy but yeah we never met even when our hot rods weren't running we'd get in a, one of our lowered work trucks and drive down we never missed the street machine nationals man me and my buddies yeah. good time yeah and then you know what though it's coming back though i think it's coming back i mean i think i think i think the 80s you know because you look at all like to you look at uh litigious environment that was was like the late 70s 80s and early 90s you know people get sued for something they shut it down you know i mean um but i don't know i mean i i, I think that uh i i'm it, it was cool. Like I went to LST two, three years ago and it was like, you're like, wow, this would never fly in California. But you're like thinking, well, yeah. why, why not? Right. If everybody's cool. Cause you know what happens is it's like one app, bad apple spoils the bunch, you know, but I don't yeah. know. It just seems like, uh, that's that show that they, they put a cap on registration and they sell out within like 
a day. Don't oh, think? exactly, right? But it's 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 a it's a it's a great group of people. Like you got the you know the Mexican truck club guys over here cooking their carne asada and drinking their Coronas, and they got the, you know they're they're two hundred trucks deep, and then you got just like the the white boy uh, mini truck guys over here, and you got just a whole group of people. You know, it's cool, and everybody's going and getting along, and it's a great it's a great scene. So yeah, I'm looking forward to go to going. So. But I definitely want to try to make it out to your neck of the woods in June, if I can. Are you going to be going? Yeah, we'll, are we'll are you going to, to that show? Yep, I'm. Uh, I'll be announcing the autocross that. Um, we could probably get you over to the BMX track while you're in town too. Ooh. It's like uh-huh. 15 minutes from where the car show is. I don't know. Well, weren't you organizing a deal at the Street Ride Nationals in Louisville? Was that you? That was you. Yeah, we did. Uh, we called it the what we call it the Hot Rod Industry BMX Challenge because <laughs> so many people grew up doing doing BMX and stuff, and we got people out there. And yeah, we had you know industry people stand there watching. And you know, the first couple years we did it, and Street Rider did a, a couple years in a row. Did a little a teaser on it because um, one of the editor guys you know grew up BMXing and skateboarding, so he thought that was cool and. Yeah, we had you know a good time. Jesse Greening come out and race, and some of the guys that work at Johnson's Hot Rod Shop, and some of the guys from Vinnie Jair and you know Art Morrison's chassis shop and stuff like that. So it was it was pretty cool. We'd have you know we knew since they always have a big national there. It used to be NBL Grands when the NBL was still around. So you know we go there enough so we know the people. And there was loaner bikes, and we get helmets for people. And but they kind of redid the track with when the BMX got in the Olympics. They kind of changed a bunch of the tracks and made supercross style and two starting hills and they made the track kind of lippy and it was a little too technical to let people get out there and ride that hadn't rode in many years yeah. but now they're redoing the track again so we might do it but uh, the time to do it would be during the nashville event since that's our home track and we know way more people out there yeah um one of these years we might we might bring that back again a lot of people miss miss doing that and they want to see us do it again we had a lot of fun so well, do you have a mountain bike at all? I, I don't. Um, I keep saying I want one, but it's kind of like I want a new uh, custom 20-inch BMX bike with a disc <laughs> brake and everything, and my wife says I don't ride enough to be able to spend that much money on another bike right, right. now. Yeah, mountain bikes other ones are, are crazy good. expensive, right? No, yeah. but you know, you know what? I hear there's – You know, I was talking to John Jackson. He was talking said there's there's a ton of good trails out in the Nashville area. Yeah, yeah, so, it really is. Well, I know because he's at one every every day. He's at a cool trail someplace. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. I tried to connect with him when he was out for Grand National here the last few weeks, but um, he just got too busy. So I wanted to take him on some of our local trails. But I'm ready. Yeah, I hung out with him the week the weekend before we were in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, and uh, my my buddy that Brian Stepsky at Problem Child Customs had some health issues so we kind of did one of those like the truck guys do a one and done day oh yeah yeah and you were we, telling me about that yeah yeah surprised him and put wheels brakes supercharger and everything on his car in a in a day that was kind of cool so john came and took pictures and hung out of course you know he was still in his riding gear and had his bike with him so he's like <laughs> oh yeah i was at this trail a little bit ago that's why i was late so that's funny yeah i mean it's it's cool man well uh, i'm down for B- bmx i'm down for mountain bike whatever you got um but I definitely want to try to get out there, get out there that weekend. Yeah, it's funny when when we're not doing car stuff. That's usually usually who we're hanging out with. Because most of the time we're just hanging out with BMX people. So, well, I gotta say, I mean, 
when you when you I've noticed like that's why I've met a lot of cool people because when you're at these races and you and, and you you're spending all that energy for an hour out there and you're about killing yourself you know cardio wise and then then you're done yeah. it's like during it it's like the most painful thing you've done in a long time but afterwards you're just sitting around just like going okay you know little they call it runner's high or whatever kicks in you know and you're just yeah, like yeah. oh shit and then you just you know it's cool i met a lot of good people that way but well yep. I, I hope to i hope to get out there and um yeah, we'll see. I need to just pick and choose on my. But now that they moved it to to the middle of June, it makes more sense for me. So it'll be really hot and humid. I'm ready. I'm not afraid. Yeah, not afraid of that. Yeah. Well, I know it's funny because, like, I remember two or three. Well, no, it's probably three or four years ago. Now I was out in Nashville, and you know, everyone's got these Doppler radar apps on their phone. Like we don't have that here in California, oh, yeah. Steve. So all of a sudden, someone said to me, "Hey, you gotta go. We gotta run inside right now." What are you talking about? No, we gotta run into the stadium. So people were running to the stadium, and all of a sudden, as soon as everybody got under this under the cover, it just poured. Like it poured. Like oh it, yeah. It, people have like like I'm looking at Steve right now, and, and we don't know what this means. But no, I'm no, no, we have no idea what this that. means. Yeah. But no, they they can see when the the storms are coming in. Yeah, and it just poured. For like 15 minutes, everyone yeah. chilled underneath the stadium, and then yeah. it stops, yep. and then everyone went back outside. Crazy. We Steve, had we crazy no rain here the last, <laughs> last two days, and my phone apps were going off all day yesterday because there were <laughs> See, tornadoes close. Yeah. I think we had three and a half inches of rain in the last 24 hours. Oh, man. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, we don't know. People in California, if you've only been in California, you, you have no idea what rain is. You got to get yourself yeah, get yourself out to the Midwest and get yourself out over there, get wet. Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. Then you'll know what. Yeah, the Midwesterns they we laugh at people that don't know rain. We're we're afraid they'll be like a turkey because that's like a farmer's story that if it rains, the turkeys don't know what it is and they look up and they'll drown when the raindrops go <laughs> in their nose. So don't don't look don't look up too much in the rain. You might drown. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, no, it's crazy because I mean. California, even even the hardest rain we've ever seen here in so- SoCal is nothing compared to what like a what they would consider a, a, a medium grade oh, rain yeah. is. Over uh, there. It would have to be like the storm of the century for <laughs> it to even like Dude. register over there. And we've and you know what, like two three years ago, we had a lot of rain out here in California, but nothing like what you guys get out there. But well, yeah. Well, Tim, you know what? I think we're going to kind of wrap her up. Would you anything? Go ahead and give us. How do we follow yeah, you? Uh, for all our listeners out there, uh, where can they find you, follow you, see all your uh, awesome bills, the pictures of, and everything else that goes with it? Uh, of course, we got a website, strangemotion.com. That, of course, it hasn't been updated for a while, but uh, we post a lot on social media, on Instagram. My main one that I do um, is Rod Builder. That's my personal one because the strange motion rod and custom, but just the N in there, um, you know, they face or Instagram limits reach unless you boost them when they're a business page. So I post on my personal ones probably the most. And then of course I've got a public Tim strange page and a strange motion page on uh, Facebook. So that's where I am. Right on, man. Well, we will connect with you and uh, see you hopefully in Nashville. And then, um, yep. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing your announcing at some of these autocross events at Good Guys, and you know, yep. You and then keep lot- your eye out for 
Street Rods Ain't Dead will be coming about October. It'll right on. Be hitting, and those will be airing on uh, a handful of the sponsor social media sites. There'll be five-minute videos every okay. week when they start hitting, and then we condense them, and then it'll be a three or four episodes on Amazon Prime for the whole build series. Right on, man. Well, hey, thank you very much for taking the time out to talk to us, dude. I had fun. Thanks again, and we didn't even get talking about the uh, the CK trucks that are coming on. But, oh, well, yeah. no, yeah, I mean, I, and hey, let's talk about that real yeah, quick. We're not, we're not done yet, guys. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> hey, we're back. Bo- bonus section. Yeah. yeah. So well, I, I just, I just you... bought a 93 for a shop truck, and I hear seven times a day from my wife that it's just a shop truck because uh, I'm getting ready to lower it, and I'd love to get a set of, like, you know, the slightly bigger wheels but the old school style. Well, you're talking and, to the uh, right guy. Yeah. Yeah, we're <laughs> doing that one and done. And of course, Dino's truck's got, you know, the 20s and 22 tri-fans. Yep. When I, was, when I was 19 years old, I bought a set of Boyd tri-fans were my first billet wheels I ever bought because nice. I wrecked the truck and I got to part it out. So I took all that money and bought a set of Boyd wheels. I was 19 years old and I bought my set of wheels. But the funny story was, uh, this car was already, when I was 19, I started winning awards at like super Chevy shows and street machine nationals and stuff, you know, hit the ground running right from the start. Well, I just bought new tires that summer before I had this extra money from wrecking that truck. And I had 14 inch wheels on there. 14. So of course I didn't want, I didn't have enough money to buy tires too, but this was 1990, 91. So 14s were still okay. And I put 14 inch tri-fan boys on my Chevelle. And then years later, um, I don't know, 15 years after that, I remember Boyd's Wheels was offering a deal. You trade in any of your old styles, and you get so much percentage off on a new style or bigger wheels. And I called in. I was like, yeah, I'd like to get some new wheels. What do you got to trade in? And I told them, I got 14-inch Boyd's. And they're like, we won't even take those from you. <laughs> they wouldn't even take the 14s back on trade. Dude, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean. awesome. It's it's cool that you know I've I've been building all the old styles and and you know people go hey when are you gonna build this old one it's like as soon as you order it let's do it you know I mean there's so many designs yeah. done back in the day that it's like you know if if I had enough money in in time I would just build every one but I, you know come on it's like yeah just, just order it up but CK trucks yeah no they're, they're it's cool I have it's, trouble calling OBSs I, I know right OBS. I mean I mean CK. I mean yeah, I, I don't know. Even CK trucks. I mean, that's the technical term, right? But, um, I mean, I don't know. I always called it 8898. That's what I called it. Yeah. I really want to – I don't think my wife will listen to this, so maybe I won't get in trouble. But I really want to do, like, an old, an old Boyd truck. I want to chop one a little bit. I want to chop my daily a little bit. Yeah. Right? Yes. Uh, Lynn, Lynn Pugh I'm friends with on Facebook, which yeah. he ran the GMC Truck Center back in the day. Oh, yeah. Um. Uh, he sent me a picture of one from the Boyd shop um, with the window sticker still in that they were chopping the top on one. He sent me a picture of that. that oh, that's cool. cool. Yeah, which, uh, well, my dad did one for Mike Martin that was uh, the white with, like, the magenta stripes that was uh-huh. ch- that was chopped. That was yeah. one of the first ones they did that was chopped. You yeah. remember how much they were chopped? No, I don't know. You know, you know who could tell us this is Dwayne. You know, Dwayne was right in the yeah. middle of this stuff when that was going on. And you know what? Keith Russell, too. We need to hit these guys up. You know? I think we need to do we need to do a, a, a Hot Rods by Boyd retro build and bring back some of the old guys. 
and build one of these CK trucks. That would be cool. Right? I wasn't one of the old boy guys, but I'd come just to sweep the floor to listen <laughs> to the story. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think it'd be cool. I mean, because they're coming back, and you know what? I mean, uh, some of those paint schemes and all that stuff, it's, 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 I don't know, some of it was, a lot of it was cool, and I mean, some of it was kind of goofy, but. You know, there was some goofy stuff that was done then, but I mean, damn, there was some cool stuff. Like the Belcheck truck, that guy, they built that truck um, with the silver, silver and like a magenta and gold stripes on it. That was built for a guy in Newport yeah. Beach. That, you know, Belcheck used that in their ads. That was a cool little truck. Yeah, I know. Yeah, were... and that, uh, I don't know how to say his last name, but I message him every once in a while. Uh, you've had him on one of your podcasts. Mark, Mark. Oha. Yeah, Oha. Yeah, we message back and forth, you know. And I took pictures of four cars at SEMA this year, and the first one I took pictures of was that truck that he did. It was kind of like one of the the Belltech recreation truck thing. Yeah, and I he just, I love that. You know, that was cool. I, I I'm a little torn. I think he was off on the paint a little bit, and and the, the wheel selection. I know he had. I think he had Budnick make the wheels, but. Yeah, I don't know why he didn't go with a more old school style of wheel. You know, um, yeah, that because it was cool. Yeah, it was cool. Still, it, you know yeah, what? It's, still, it, it's, yeah. it's it's a step in the right direction. I'm glad to see some of that stuff. You know, um, yeah. I don't know. I get a little picky with that because I, I like it to be. It's funny. I, I say that when, when you know, but they didn't have 20 inch and 22 inch tri fans back then. You know, with soft lift. Yeah. But I only want to put like 18s on mine. I think that that'd be a good for a daily. Well, but, I'll tell you what. You know, I like I like stuff that's different. You know, in my shop, I kind of seem to tend to go towards more traditional hot rod builds that stay timeless for a while. You know, I put 22 inch wheels on a bunch of stuff, but I'm kind of you know all the events that I go to and being around the racing and stuff, I'm kind of pro toured out of that same. You know, back in the day when I grew up as we were wrapping it up and now we start rattling again. No, it's all uh, right. You know, people, <laughs> got tired of going to, people got tired of going to rod runs because like, oh, yeah, man, that's a really bitchin' 32 Ford. It's blue. It's got five spokes on it. And turn around, oh, here's a red one with Halibrands on it. But it's the same-looking car. You know, to me, a lot of those guys, they got out of the street rods and they started doing street machines. Well, the street machines are kind of the same way. Yeah, there's a bitchin' 70 Camaro with a, supercharged LS and big wheels and big brakes and you turn around and there's one almost exactly like it just a different color I mean I'm glad that people are still building stuff but you know people kind of got away from street rods because they were all cookie cutter but to me there's like a formula spitting out pro tour cars right now yeah well you know I mean it's that that's the thing with pro touring cars. I mean, especially with these guys are setting them up to to race and the auto, you know, autocross and all that stuff. You have to, you do have to stick with a certain formula, right? I mean, if you yeah. want, if you want to yeah. be competitive, you know. But um, no, I mean, and yeah, that, they, that, I have a good time at that autocross. I've met a lot of cool people that I wouldn't have been around just going to the show car side. And some of the show car guys don't understand how serious that some of these guys take that autocross. Oh, man. I mean, there's a family. They, they have three cars, major sponsorship on the side of the door. They show up in a semi-truck, and all the motors are built by Warren Johnson. Yeah. One of the cars spent all winter a year ago at the Hendrix dirt track shop in North Carolina. Really? I mean, that's how serious some of these people are over <laughs> there at the autocross. It's insane. Yeah. Well, 
you get a bunch of that money around and of course that's going to happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, and, and you know what, uh, like with the talking about going back to the 18s on, and on the wheels, that's what I went with on my daily driver with the, the 18s on my red truck. You know, I mean, um, I, I love the 20s on my white and silver truck, but you know, there's a lot of modification that's got to be done in the rear to get that thing to sit right. You know? Yeah, then with the 18, you can just put a little bit more tire on it to make it ride a little better every day. Right? Yeah, I got, you know, it's, I love it. I love it. Even though the, the white and silver truck, I drove it around today for a little bit. That thing drives killer. It's, it's, yeah. I, well, I got independent rear in the rear too, so, but. Oh, it does? That's cool. Yeah, it's got a C4 rear end in it, but yeah. No, that's fun, man. I'm I'm curious to see where it's going to go, and I think you know, especially with the new technology that's coming out on a lot of stuff and people making parts for them again. That's what drives it, you know. I mean, look look yeah. at the C10. Look what happened with the C10 stuff, you know. Yeah. And look what happened with the square bodies. It's just and it's just evolving. These are classic trucks. These trucks are 25 years plus old, you know. Yep. Well, I'm I'm excited to see what you're going to do. So. We'll keep it under, under wraps. We won't let Carrie know what you're doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell her not to listen to the podcast. It's okay. Yeah. Well, right, right on, man. Well, thanks for spending some time with us tonight. Yep. Really, thanks for having me, yeah, man. Good time. And and you know, there's a lot you're go- that's going on. So everybody, follow Tim Strange. Yep. He's got a lot going on, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you throughout the year and seeing what you're doing. Yeah, you come to Nashville, I'll get you out on the BMX track. No, I'm ready, dude. I'm ready. Make sure you get an extra, extra large helmet because I got one of them big noggins. Oh, dude, I got a watermelon for a head. I got to wear a double X helmet, and oh, I can't even buy, like, the, the cheaper ones. I got to buy, like, the expensive carbon oh. ones. Otherwise, I can't even get my watermelon no, head in it. You know what? Hey, we're in the same boat. I, I It takes me – when I find – it takes me forever to find a right helmet that fits because my head's so big. So, it's like – yeah, yeah, I, I'm wearing the same. I probably will probably uh, share helmets there, but yeah, I'm ready to. I'm ready to go. I'll come out a few days early, and we'll we'll handle it. Cool. All right, man. Sounds good. Right on, man. Well, thanks again for joining us on the podcast. To all our listeners, thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we will see you. Talk to you guys soon. Later.